All right, ready to study the scripture. Get your Bibles out, and I want you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Romans chapter 5, verse 3, that's where we're going to start. If you have your message notes, you can take notes here. As you know, we're in a series called Wisdom from the Womenooch, and uh, the Womenooch is a wilderness area in southern Colorado in the San Juan Mountains, and uh, it's called the Womenoochee Wilderness, and uh, I went with uh, our team here. Uh, I, we went and hiked 45 miles roughly in about seven or eight days uh, with 45 pounds on my back. And it was an experience that I really uh, didn't think I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't sure I could do it. I wasn't sure I could accomplish it, but um, we did. And it was so rewarding. It was so amazing. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm sharing with you things that happened to me there that caused me to think about the way God interacts with us. And so, um, so I think we've talked about the illusion of control. We've talked about the cost of clarity. We've talked about uh, last week, we talked about strength in numbers and how important that is. And uh, today I, I want to talk to you about being addicted to convenience. <laughs> yeah, everybody's like, oh, addicted to convenience. I, I brought some visual aids with me. Um, the, this is um, this is a bow that you use um, to a fire starter. Yeah, it starts fire. And uh, my friend Garrett Gilday, uh, who is here, Garrett and Lish, they're one of our missionaries that we support. Garrett and Lish, would you just stand up right right where you are, right here? Garrett and Lish, Gilday, there. Give them a hand. Yep, it's good. You may not know why you're giving them a hand, but they deserve it because they are impressive people and they're doing great work. Uh, Starting, starting out in Nicaragua, Garrett made, Garrett made this, <clears throat> and uh, this is the bow, and this is the spindle, and you put, you kind of take this like this, and I try, I always try to do this, but I can never, like, make it, wait, wait, wait for it, wait for it, it's almost there, oh, yeah, I'm not very good at this, but see how that spindle, oh, see how, See how that spindle sits like that? And so you put that there, and then you start moving this bow with the spindle. <clears throat> and, and you put your, oh, I've got it upside down now. So you put this down on the, on the what's this called, Garrett? That I'm putting it down on? The hearthboard, yeah, the hearthboard. And I use my, my socket rock. See, it has a little hole in there, and I put that right here. This is really hard to do with a microphone. And... And then you put it right here, and then you start, like, going back and forth like this over. I have never been able to master it. How much easier is it just to carry a Bic lighter? I mean, come on, people. Can we just, I mean, let's, why, why do we have to do all this? I mean, I, I mean, you, Garrett made this out of, what is this, willow? Yeah, this is willow. And uh, and just, it, it is cool. He, he, he we're working on it last night. He, he created some embers right there in the hearthboard, and, and it was amazing how it happens and how, um, how all that works. Um, this, is a, this is a little um, shovel, a little spade. Yeah, this, we shared this. Um, all, we all used it. We all knew that we had to go dig a hole sometime in our experience there. <laughs> and so we about it once or twice a day, we'd 
okay, I'm, I got to go dig a hole. Where's the shovel? And, uh, and so <laughs> here it is, and we'd pick it up, and we'd go do that. That is really inconvenient. I just want to say, I just want to tell you how uh, awkward and weird that is, how much time it takes. You've got to go find a place that's really alone, and, <laughs> you know, you wander off, and then you've got to find some leaves that will work well. And it's just really, it's, it's, it's really awful. I mean, it's just terrible. And, uh, and I'm, I, I, am, I am shocked at how I missed my conveniences of home. I want to write, uh, I have my journal here. I, I wrote in it while I was gone. And here's a journal entry on August 10th, 2014. I want to read it to you. It says, I am addicted to convenience. I want to be catered to. I want the simplicity of knowing I can get what I want when I want it. I want everything in a timely manner. I want accessibility. I, I want it clean and neat and tidy. <laughs> I want napkins and toilets, not handkerchiefs and holes in the ground. <laughs> I want quick, hot, and ready, not slow, cold, and waiting for water to boil. I don't want to persevere over making dinner or struggle through setting up the tent for the fourth day in a row. I'm tired of unpacking everything in my backpack only to pack it up again. I don't want to trudge through the rain and mud. Don't get me wrong, I'm okay with hiking, but not too far, not too painful, and I certainly don't want to wait for someone who can't keep up. I am spoiled. I'm wondering how to rid myself of this God of convenience. He is a brutal taskmaster and leverages me with the currency of selfishness. He demands total allegiance and requires my complete attention until I am obsessed, obsessed with the, the seduction of more. Greed is the fruit of a convenience addiction. It is fruit that does not last. It, it withers and dies in the hollow heart that can only whisper with its last breath, more. There's something that we have to deal with in an American culture that is incredibly prosperous that sets our heart in the right position so that we are not consumed with greed and convenience and comfort. I, was, I came back from the wilderness and we're having a, we have a long <laughs> dramatic process with some plumbing issues in my house. And it turned out that as I got back and they were working on it, that I couldn't use my master bedroom toilet, all right? So I had, to walk, I had to walk 15 extra steps to the main bathroom anytime I wanted to go. 15 extra steps, and it was, it was making me so mad. <laughs> it's incredible how easy it is to get, and this is just after, right? This is just after I return from the wilderness, and I'm, and I'm like, I'm, I'm like this, okay, so now, why am I so irritated? What is this in my soul that is so easily agitated? Expectations? Wanting things to be as they should be? Here's the, here's the, the struggle that we're gonna, we're gonna deal with today. Romans 5, verse 3, says, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces 
perseverance. Everybody say perseverance. Perseverance, perseverance character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's the question I have for you. How do we develop perseverance and character that releases hope in our lives? If our greatest test of endurance is waiting 90 long seconds for the barista to finally hand us our three-pump Irish skinny mocha latte. Like, this is, this is really an issue. When our greatest perseverance is our irritation with the cable guy. When, or the grocery store clerk, we can be certain that we have a problem. This, this, and and l- please, please don't misunderstand. I, I don't want to diminish the truly challenging things that many of us are facing in our lives. But when you're, what, the perspective that I gained you know, on the mountain is that most of the things that we deal with that feel very oppressing or frustrating or, or challenging are what we would call first world problems first world problems, uh, problems with our bills and problems with our finances and problems with some relationships that, you know, we have with the, um, you know, little league coach that coaches our kid, right? It's a, we, we, they're, they're, they are first world problems. And I think what the wilderness does is it gets us into touch with the deeper, more significant issues of our own heart and soul. So a convenience addiction can be a character killer. That's the problem. A convenience addiction can be a character killer because it, it, it has no tolerance for perseverance. The demand for convenience. I, I was so shocked at how, much, how many times I wanted a napkin. I'm a napkin guy. When you go to dinner with me, I use napkins every few minutes. Like I get a new one and then I put, and by the end of dinner, there's like a pile of napkins because I want my hands to be clean while I'm eating. It's weird. I'm addicted to napkins. And when you're out in the wilderness, all you got is a lousy handkerchief, bandana that you've used for everything. <laughs> well, not everything. It's just, you've used it for a bunch of stuff. How did I get so con- addicted to, to napkins? Why do they create such ter- torment in my soul? Convenience on its own really isn't the problem, is it, though? Right? It's not the enemy. I, hey, I like indoor plumbing. <laughs> I think it's great. I think throwaway napkins are one of the greatest inventions of modern technology. I love DVRs and Google Maps and that sweet woman's voice telling me exactly where to go. <laughs> I like microwaves and mini fridges as much as the next guy. But the problem is with me. The problem is with us. The problem is inside. The struggle is with our own flesh and its desire. And here's what I, here's what I realized. I have a huge capacity in my own heart, in my own soul, for getting used to being pampered, for being used to getting what I want. And it's amazing how fast it can happen. But of course, the wilderness strips all this away until there's nothing left but the real you. And, 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 and it takes away all your comforts and all, your, uh, all, the, all the masks that we wear, all the distractions that we have, and it's just you and y- trying to build a fire. 
The crazy thing is, the Bible teaches us that we should embrace this kind of a process of discovering how selfish we really are, how addicted to convenience we might be. If you look on your notes, you can see it. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. Verse 4 is this incredibly strategic phrase. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Perseverance creates maturity, and maturity makes you complete so that you're not lacking anything. Hey, sign me up for that. I want to be mature and complete and not lack anything. Got to go through perseverance. The testing of our faith, now here's what you should see, the testing of our faith plus perseverance, right? The testing of our faith plus perseverance, it's not just perseverance without faith. There's a lot of people who have to persevere through really painful stuff, and they never grow. They never mature. You know what the difference is? They don't have faith. They don't believe that God's actually doing something in their hearts. Hey, hey, any struggle that you're going through, any issue, any painful person that enters your life, guess what? God has a desire and a purpose for that. And it is you to learn perseverance, patience, for you to become mature. Do you want to be mature and complete and not lacking anything? Do you want to be mature and complete and not lacking anything? Then you have to let perseverance finish its work. Maturity is a, can be elusive. Some people say, um, you know, age creates wisdom, but for many people, they just get old. Age doesn't guarantee wisdom. The process of becoming a mature person, the process of becoming both spiritually mature and emotionally mature is a real journey. I know a lot of people who would call themselves Christians, but they are emotionally immature. They get bent out of shape pretty easily. They like things like they like them. They know Jesus They would look on the outside like they're spiritually mature, but they're emotionally immature. Perseverance fixes all that, challenges it, challenges it. So how should we live in a culture like ours where convenience and consumerism masks our silent selfishness and ugly greed? How how can we live? How can we do this? How do we begin to understand the role of perseverance in our lives and the work of endurance in our hearts that God is actually involved in trying to make us mature? The problem is whether we're out in the woolly wilderness or we're in our comfortable condo, God wants to work in us and create, create opportunities for us to grow, for us to be mature. He wants to shape our character. He wants to free us from our facades He wants to form us into the image of his dear son. So breaking our addiction to convenience. Here's number one. Here's what you have to do. You've got to carry your cross. 
You gotta commit to carrying your cross every day. Here's what Luke 9, 23 says. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. All right, he says three things here. You can fill in the blanks. First thing he says is deny yourself. Deny yourself. What does it look like to deny yourself? What does it look like for you to deny Deny that you're in charge. Consider, consider what it would look like for you to submit your schedule, your choices, <laughs> your decisions to someone else. That would be denying yourself. Okay, you want certain things and you say, nope, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to let somebody else decide these things. Who should decide those things? God. What you're doing is you're denying yourself by giving your schedule to God, by giving your, uh, by giving your, um, I was eating habits, by giving your exercise habits to God. You're, you're denying yourself by allowing God to choose who you're going to spend time with and who you're not going to spend time with. You're denying yourself means you're not in charge. Somebody else is in charge. That's a hard thing to do sometimes. Die daily is the next thing he says. Die daily. The, he, he, and he says this because he says, I want you to take up your cross. Okay, for, for the hearers, for the listeners of Jesus, they would have seen in their mind's eye when they listened to Jesus say, deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow me. They would have heard him say, pick up your instrument of death. Pick up this thing that puts you to death and because that's what a cross would have represented in that day. What Jesus was saying, he said, I want you to identify with me. I want you to identify with me. I want, you to, I want you to unite yourself with me and what I did for you. And I want you to be united with me in death. And when you think about uniting with Christ, how did Jesus treat his persecutors? How did Jesus deal with the people that attacked him? How did He didn't avoid them. He didn't react he surrendered to his father. And so this die daily thing, the cross is an instrument of death, but I want you to think about something. It's really hard to crucify yourself. Okay, so you put one hand up. <laughs> you got no way to ha hammer the nails. So I want you to think about this. Being willing to die daily requires the participation of others. Typically, it's others who, who nail you to the cross. And sometimes it's people who aren't happy with you and they're mean to you. Other times, it's some of the deepest friends you have. God uses them both. Third thing is you just have to decide. Decide to lose your life. You have to give your life away. You have to stop thinking about what your wants are and focus on the needs of others. This is one of the ways that you carry your cross. You, you decide to lose your life for the sake of others. And then this is going to surprise some of you, but I think the way out of convenience, the way out of an addiction to convenience, number two, is a commitment to community. 
a commitment to community. Commit to community. That's, that's the fill in the blank. Here's what Ephesians 4.29 says. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. What? Really? <laughs> Have you ever tried to obey that for a day? <laughs> for one whole day, no unwholesome talk, nothing bad, no, no cynicism, n- no irritation, no anger, just nothing unwholesome coming out of your mouth. It's a, it's a tough deal. I, I challenge you to try it. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Well, I have a right to express my opinion. Oh, really? American culture gives you a right to express your opinion. But the kingdom of God says you don't need to express your opinion. Jesus says your opinion is not that important, really. He says, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul says that the Holy Spirit instructs us to get rid of all those things. How do you you know what those things are? Those things are all responses to relational problems. Anger, brawling. It's hard to brawl by yourself. (laughs) It's not that fun either. Slander, what's that about? It's about you talking about someone else. Malice, rage. But it says in verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just just as in Christ God forgave you. A community of friends is essential for spiritual growth. There's no way around it. You can't grow without a community of friends. Our character is formed by how we treat the people around us. Our character is formed and measured by how we treat people. If you think about Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance. Self-control. I think temperance and self-control are the same thing. But the, the dynamic of measuring those things, guess what? You can't measure it unless you're in community. <laughs> you can't measure it. Well, I'm a mature Christian. Really, are you in community? If you're not in a deep relational community with others that know what's going on, I want you to think about this. How many people can you call at 2 a.m. with an emergency? talking about friends, not the pastor. It's a good question to ask. How many of those people do you have in your life? That would be, that that is a a barometer. But the way way we're formed is by interacting with others. Think about the Holy Spirit's work in us as as we begin to interact with others. Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. People who always talk nice, say nice things about you and talk nice about you, just be careful. Proverbs 27.17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Ironing sharpening iron. It's painful. It creates sparks and conflict and friction and resistance. 
That's what that's all about. Community cannot, now here's, here's the thing, community cannot be based on our own convenience. Here's what I mean by that. We often commit to community based on our own conveniences or our own needs or our own desire for fulfillment. I hear this a lot. Well, you know, I really want to get in community because I really need that. You know, all the arrows are pointing in. Hey, can I tell you, it's really hard to get involved in a community if you're the most needy person there. Community cannot be dictated by our own conveniences. Community has to be a conviction. Community has to be something that we've decided, all right, I'm going to pour into somebody else and let the Holy Spirit work on me. I hear some people say, it feels like no one here likes me. Well, are you likable? I mean, really, it's, it's, it is amazing how convenience and comfort and our avoidance of any kind of perseverance can make us selfish as all get out. And then we look around and we're like, why don't people like me? Well, you've gotten consumed in yourself. Here's what Galatians 5, 13 and 14, this is our last verse. You, may, you my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Everybody say free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Do you see the contrast? Do you see what the the contrast is here? Instead of serving yourself, instead of letting your flesh be indulged, he contrasts, he says, instead of serving yourself, serve one another humbly. In love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Freedom that, listen, hey, 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 freedom that God wants to give you and has given you is not just for you. Freedom is for serving, not selfishness. Our life calling is to love God and to love people. God's delivered you so that you can assist others in being delivered. I'll I'll fill in the blank one more time. Your last blanks. We discover the depth of God's love when we choose to love others. Something happens in us. You can read 1 John 4, 7 later. But here's the the bottom line. Community cures convenience addiction. (laughs) Because you have to interact with others who are needy themselves. When people who are around me throw a little tantrum or get frustrated or get angry at me or get frustrated with their own spouse, or, it doesn't bother me, right? Like, like, I just think this is our human existence. But I know that each of those are opportunities for us to change and persevere and grow and lay our lives down. And that's worth something. What I want to encourage you to do is I want you to become part of a community that knows you. Take out this connect group menu right here. Check that out. It's in the back, your seat back pocket right there. Every time I say that, I think, feel like I'm in a plane. Your seat back pocket. Please make sure your tray tables are upright and locked in position. Now, look, now I want you to look at this. I, I just want you to see. 
there are a ton of groups. And there, and there are not just groups on Bible stuff. There's groups on all kinds of things. Because, and now, okay, now, now, now listen to me for a second. Hang on just a second. Hang on. Look at me. Look at me. I gave you a visual aid, and then I, then, I, then I don't want you to read it. Look at me. Just quick, just hang on a second. What I want you to get, what I want you to get is that the way God works in you best, the way the Holy Spirit has freedom to work in you, is by being a part of a small group of believers that know you and love you and will walk with you. Okay, you're going to open it up again. Check out the Daniel plan right on the first page. The Daniel plan, Scott and Nadine Romig. Uh, that, that is going to be a cool thing, talking about healthy lifestyles and faith and food and fitness. That's a great study. Look at, uh, if you want the opposite, there's queso for the one. Which that's that's the group I'd go to, and <clears throat> they're gonna try different restaurants every week and get to the top ten ca- best quesos in Austin. <laughs> oh, I love that. There's um, there's look at Covenant, God's enduring promise. Uh, Kim Swafford's teaching that. That is an incredible class. Uh, talking about covenant, you guys should take advantage of that. Basic, building a strong identity in Christ. That's Jenny Fox is going to lead that. Here's Young Marrieds with uh, William and Karina. If you keep going down the page, check out on the next page, bonjour, y'all. <laughs> Holly Swafford speaks French, and she already has a little group of people that they're going to practice their French and talk about Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Look, now listen to me. Here's the thing. Who knew? Who knew that you could use French speaking to make an investment in the lives of other people who are interested in speaking French? Hey, this is the secret to all of our groups. Come up with something that other people will want to be involved in where you can slide Jesus into the experience and help. And here's, here's what I believe. I'll talk about this next week. I don't have time to talk about this now. Here's, okay, keep going. Look at this. Check out uh, Greater Works Than These. Uh, Ken Parsley is going to talk about the miracles of Jesus. Here, over on the next page, Financial Peace University. Check this out. I have, a, I have some statistics on this that are really incredible. The people at our church who've been through Financial Peace University, there's been 55 families have gone through it, and 83 credit cards have been paid off. A total of $208,000 of debt has been paid off. And, a, and $161,000 of savings. Just in our little community. More than 1.5 million families and individuals have taken FPU. Uh, the average family completes the course, uh, that completes the course pays off $5,300 and saves $2,700 in just 90 days. That's the average. There's some great stuff in here. Check out, um, I won't keep going here. Uh, here's a One Chapel Newcomers Club. Wayne and Susan Johnson are going to do it. If you've been here less than a year, you're trying to get connected, that's a group for you. Um, there's, some, there's some family groups here on Thursday night. Here's Engage with Carl and Sheila. Here's the Family Table with Bart and Desiree Steele. Um, this is cool. The Knitting Club on the next page. Check this out. The Knitting Club. They're going to knit instant. Cl- knit. This is not a grandma doing this. It's a young lady, Courtney, she's, they're going to do um, knitting infant clothing and blankets needed at Brackenridge Hospital. Isn't that cool? 
Um, so, um, so all that, yeah, Thursday at 9 p.m., you can tell it's a young lady. It's a, it's all, all the old people are in bed. So the, um, here's the strong man. There's men's group. There's a whole bunch of men's groups in here. Here's Saturday, Run for the One is a group to train for races. I might join that group. I'm going to train for an Austin marathon here as we get going, and I'm excited about that. Okay, so, so here, I want you to think about the places where you need to be. People in your area of, of the city, or make the commitment to be in a group that's a little farther away, it doesn't matter, but make a commitment to live in community, because God's purpose can be unfolded. A, an addiction to convenience and comfort and your own way and your selfishness and your greed gets undone. And you think to your, you're thinking to yourself, well, Pastor Ross, I've been in some groups and there's some selfish people there. <laughs> yeah, God needs you to help work on them. Let's pray. Father, would you help us to understand what it means to belong, understand what it means to be involved, understand what it means to, to open our hearts and our souls to others? Father, I pray that you would work in each of our lives as a, uh, a commitment to undo convenience, a commitment to undo the, the, the selfishness that emerges in our hearts as just a matter of our culture. Lord, help us to surrender our lives to you and to be involved with a group of people that will help us and walk with us as we surrender. And Lord, help us to be a blessing to others. Not just to let all the arrows point in, but to really make a, con a commitment to live in a way that the Holy Spirit can use us to touch others. We thank you for this, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.